Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the fan-sided network. I'm your host, Peter Panacey, associate editor of NinerNoise.com, once again filling in for Robert Morrison, who is out on paternity leave. And uh, yes, for those of you who are interested, and hopefully you should be, Robert and family are still doing very, very well, and uh, the baby is uh, doing very well, too, most importantly. So anyway, uh, boy, the NFL calendar sure can move quickly, and that's what we're in the midst of this week, as the Niners don't really have any time to relish their win over the Atlanta Falcons in Week 15, and instead have to get ready for the short turnaround on Thursday night football uh, within just a couple of days here as they travel to Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans in uh, what will be the Niners' final primetime game of the regular season. And a lot riding on that game for both teams in terms of the playoff standings and where both squads are looking to finish up before the the postseason kicks off. So anyway, have quite a lot to get into. We want to take a look at what happened between Atlanta and San Francisco last Sunday, as well as getting ourselves ready for this Thursday night football contest over at Nissan Stadium on Thursday night. Before we do all that, uh, just a quick favor to ask of everybody. If you enjoy what you hear, if you like the Niner Noise podcast, if you enjoy what we do here, both at Niner Noise and at Fansided, do us a favor and uh, hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us that five-star review. Go ahead and leave us comments as well. It certainly helps the podcast grow, and we certainly enjoy interacting with all of you too, and it does make us feel pretty good when when all of you are, are engaging with us as well. So yeah, quite a lot to, 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 to kind of just take away from what kind of seemed like a really one-sided 49ers victory over the Falcons on Sunday. The Niners pulling off the 31-13 win to improve to 8-6 over a Falcons team that fell to 6-8. And And I mentioned this last week going into this game that despite the Falcons before Sunday being one game below 500, really didn't have too many impressive wins on the resume, whereas the Niners certainly did. And 
you looked at it, the Falcons are entering this game with one of the league's worst offenses, one of the league's worst defenses, and on paper, the Niners should have just absolutely dominated. And for the most part, they did. That's it's, it's a good thing to kind of just keep in mind and, and make note of. Uh, of course, there was that bit of a gaffe at the beginning of the game with... Uh, Jamichael Hasty fumbling the opening kickoff <laughs> and the Falcons recovering. But nevertheless, you saw the 49ers goal line defense come up with a valiant stand and uh, keep the uh, Falcons from getting into the end zone and, you know, just kind of point things out here as far as significance of the 49ers defense doing its job. Uh, the Falcons had five trips in the red zone. They only converted one of those into a touchdown. So, yeah, <laughs> you could be pretty happy about that. Falcons also 0 of 3 on fourth down attempts and only 5 of 13 on third down tries, too. So, I mean, if you just kind of want to take a look at the disparity of the game, the differences between the two clubs where they are, 49ers had 23 first downs. The Falcons had 13. 49ers had almost 400 yards of total offense. Falcons only had 275. So, yeah, this was a game the 49ers... Uh, should have won, should have won soundly. And the good news is that they did. You know, you could kind of take a look at some of those special teams gaffes and, and, and wonder, hey, is this going to be a bit of a problem going forward? It hasn't really improved as the year has moved along. But the important thing that I think all of us kind of just need to keep in mind is that at least as a team, the 49ers have improved in a way where their offense and defense can account for some of the shortcomings on special teams. You wouldn't have been able to say that earlier this year, but at least over this last uh, streak of, of hotness, <laughs> that's going to be my new phrase, streak of hotness, but <laughs> over this last streak where the 49ers have won five of their last six, you've seen the Niners uh, defense and offense play complementary football, and that's taken a lot of pressure off of special teams from really having to play a perfect game, and they're nowhere close to doing that. A couple of the other updates here I think the Niners will be happy to admit going into this short week. Uh, it was a fairly injury-free game from San Francisco's vantage point. Yes, uh, rookie safety Tano Hufanga did exit with a knee injury. And so far, and we're recording this here on a Tuesday, uh, he hasn't practiced and we're still waiting the, uh, the updates on the Tuesday practice report from, uh, from the 49ers as they get ready to travel back east. It doesn't look like linebacker Drake Greenlaw will be back. Maurice Hurst, he's just kind of been perpetually on the 49ers injury report. And then Elijah Mitchell, who might have been close to going last Sunday, he could potentially return from that knee injury that's been dogging him for a little while here, and uh, and perhaps we'll see. Hopefully that will wind up being something that, uh, that will work out in the 49ers' favor. The Niners have missed him. However, don't tell that to running back Jeff Wilson Jr., who was absolutely outstanding on Sunday, rushing 21 times, 110 yards. Got himself a touchdown, 5.2 yards per carry, and uh, he looked like that Jeff Wilson that we saw a number of times in 2020 when the Niners were out of running backs, and uh, he was absolutely commanding. So, of course, one of the things that I pointed out over at NinerNoise.com is, guess what? The Niners can win games when their best players are playing like their best players, and you saw that. I mean, you clearly did see that, and it did help. The Falcons are bad. Let's, you know, let's call a spade a spade. But you take a look at some of the 49ers' standout studs from the game. Guys like Jeff Wilson, who you know isn't necessarily called upon regularly to be a great player. But when he's been tasked with doing so, and we can re revert back to 2020, where in two of his three starts, he rushed for well over 100 yards. Well, he played like that kind of player again. Nick Bosa, again, was absolutely just dominant during the game. Him picking up his 15th sack. 
uh, a couple of holds on him again, which is kind of par for the course. George Kittle, again, just being absolutely uh, monstrous. And you almost want to say he's having a, he had a down game, right? Six catches, 93 yards, no touchdowns. And it's like, geez, George, we're getting used to these 150-yard performances over the last few weeks. What, why are you leading us down, man? But no, he was awesome. Debo Samuel was, again, a, a force both on the ground and through the air. Six rushes, 29 yards there on the ground and a touchdown. Also had uh, four receptions for uh, 60 yards, too. So you're looking back at that kind of multi-purpose factor again. And uh, <laughs> I think probably my favorite moment was Debo Samuel running through a Falcons defensive back's mouthpiece. And I kid you not, <laughs> if you saw the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about it. And, uh, and yeah, it was pretty awesome to see that level of physicality showing up from the 49ers, not just from Debo Samuel, not just from George Kittle, your big name players, but really from everybody. And actually after the game, George Kittle talked about that kind of physicality that, that Debo Samuel um, showcased. And uh, I want you to listen in on what uh, George Kittle had to say about it right here. But then when you have the opportunity with the ball in your hands to run through a guy's face, really shows you know what type of guys you know that you're playing against and Debo hit that guy pretty dang hard and took him a little bit to get up and I feel like you know we made a lot of plays like that today where we were the guys hitting harder uh than some of their defensive guys and not all of them you know Gray Jarrett he he hits really hard and 94 hit, smacked me a couple times but um I thought our offense played very physical today all right so there you have it George Kittle talking about some of the physicality that uh Debo Samuel was able <coughs> excuse me able to show on uh, on Sunday and really just kind of the type of physicality that that everybody on the Niners um, was, was able to show big reason why you know you look at that team and you can think the 49ers are going to be much more physical than a team like the Falcons that's really kind of struggling to find its way and they were so yeah there you go I mean not too real many concerning takeaways from that contest the 49ers really should have dominated the Falcons they did and if you had to be really concerned over anything, maybe the only things you'd be concerned about are the special teams gaffes. And then perhaps to another extent, cornerback Avery Thomas. And I'm not going to dog on him or anything like that. And I actually thought Thomas showed some improvement between weeks uh, weeks 14 and 15. And, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit here. But uh, I want to focus on that later, just kind of meeting what it's going forward. But instead, you know, let's kind of take a look at this bigger picture here. All right. The 49ers, they improved to eight and six. And right after the game, this is just the, the funniness and weirdness that is football. And especially this week where I mentioned earlier, the calendar moves so quickly. Uh, you've got what games in four days in a row, Saturday night football, Sunday football, Monday football, two games there. Now Tuesday football, two of those games haven't even been played yet. Just so many moving parts in one particular week. Uh, the 49ers, after beating the Falcons, jumped up to an 88% chance of making the playoffs, according to 538.com. And then the weirdest thing happened on Sunday Night Football with the New Orleans Saints, with Taysom Hill under center, going in and beating Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And oh yeah, not just beating them, but shutting them out nine to nothing. I mean, that sounds like a baseball score or, or two terrible offenses, but not something you would expect to see in a in a in a Tom Brady game. <laughs> you know, so you know, I think anybody with 
half a brain would have at least figured in that kind of contest, the Bucks playing at home against the Saints who are, are, are starting Taysom Hill at quarterback, the Saints should have been rolled up in that game, right? I mean, I, I know the Bucks are hurting. They've, they're, they're missing some pieces. Chris Godwin, he's out for the year, unfortunately. That's a big blow for, for Tampa Bay's offense. But you're still looking at Tom Brady. You're still looking at Rob Gronkowski. You're still looking at, at, at a really good defense, particularly up front, a great pass rush, great defensive line. Bucks getting shut out, and that was absolutely just the weirdest of circumstances. And the odd thing that, that happened because of that was actually seeing the 49ers' playoff chances drop from 88% down to 80%, according to 538.com. And that's something that um, NBC Sports Bay Area's Matt Mayoko uh, tweeted out shortly after the the, uh, the Bucks lost. And you're just kind of like, wait, how does this happen? And yet it did. So anyway, again, kind of looking at that whole big picture thing, why it all matters, why it all makes sense, what happened now when we're when we're looking at the remaining playoff seeding going forward you know here are a couple of the things that you want to just kind of keep in mind so again uh the 49ers they're hanging on to that number six seed in the nfc playoff picture they didn't change despite beating the falcons the minnesota vikings meanwhile they move up into the number seven seed after beating the bears on on um on monday night so that's one thing to consider the saints who briefly were in that seventh seed after beating the Bucks Sunday night, they dropped down to the eighth seed um, after the Vikings win on Monday night because you're getting into conference records and a lot of the tiebreaker scenarios. But there are still factors yet to play out here for just week 15 alone. Of course there are, because guess what? That's just how things go. Um, you've got the Seahawks facing off against the Los Angeles Rams, one of those COVID-delayed games that's taking place on Tuesday night, yet to be played, so we don't know the outcome of that. The Rams, of course, are sitting in that number five seed with a two-game lead over the 49ers, at least in terms of the win-loss record, but the Niners do have that one win uh, during the regular season in hand over the Rams, and of course, both those two teams square off in week 18 for the regular season finale. It's weird to say this, but the Seattle Seahawks who are currently sitting down in that number 12 seed. If you're hoping that the 49ers can climb up higher in the playoff seeding, you actually are going to be pulling for the Seahawks tonight. It makes me kind of cringe to think about that. It was something that I uh, tweeted out in a poll uh, just the other day, just asking all of you 49ers faithful, like, who are you going to be rooting for? Is it possible for you to root for the Seahawks? And, and if you're at least looking at the playoff implications, yeah, you got to be rooting for the Seahawks tonight. But nevertheless, the 49ers, like I mentioned, trailing two games uh, behind the Rams in terms of that uh, number five uh, playoff seed in the NFC playoff picture. And then, of course, you're looking on the back end um, and another game that could have some playoff implications, the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, those two teams are in the nine and ten seeds, respectively. Interestingly enough, the 49ers do hold the tiebreakers over the Vikings, the Eagles, and now the Falcons but they haven't played Washington, they haven't played New Orleans. So those are two teams that you actually do want to see the Niners finish with a better record on the year. So if you're looking for a bit of a rooting guide tonight, you're going to be hoping the Eagles pull off the win over Washington just to kind of keep pushing the football team further away from San Francisco in the standings. So probably by the time this podcast comes out, we'll know a little bit more as far as what those playoff outcomes are going to be, what the standings look like, and what the scenarios are going to be heading into week 16. And of course, the 49ers, they're going to be kicking off this upcoming weekend's slate of games with Thursday night football, Thursday night Nissan Stadium, 
downtown Nashville. You're going to be able to catch it over at NFL Network. You can also uh, partner with our partners, Fubo TV, uh, which offers a free seven-day trial for first-time users where you can stream that if you can't tune in to NFL Network on your television. So anyway, to take a look at this week seven or week 16 preview here, you know, I think if we were to go back to the beginning of the year and try to just kind of figure out if the 49ers were going to win this game, I think it's really reasonable to understand that, gosh, you know, the Niners wouldn't have had much chance. You know, you're looking at the Titans early on this season. Derrick Henry's a beast. The Titans added Julio Jones during the offseason. Maybe that defense is kind of eh, but you know, why are they going to need a defense when they've got A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry? I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's potent. Plus, they're playing in a joke of a, of a division in the AFC South, so they're going to be riding high. And the Niners having to travel two time zones east on a short week, Thursday night football, that's not a recipe for a victory. And I don't think there were too many predictions out there that were jumping up and down saying, ooh, 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 the 49ers are going to win this game. And then, of course, you get into the regular season like this year, a few weeks in, maybe even halfway into the regular season. Would you have predicted the 49ers pulling off a win in this particular contest? And the answer probably would have been no. You know, you think back to that 49ers four-game losing streak, right? Two and four, and everything that could go wrong for San Francisco was going wrong. It was like they were figuring out new ways to lose each and every week. While the Titans were riding high, I mean, they were literally holding on to the number one seed in the AFC. And along with the Arizona Cardinals, they were being looked at as the best team in football, hands down, right? I mean, that was just something that was jumping off the table. But a few weeks ago, and this is something that, that I, I think holds true and it probably provides a good teaching point for all of us, we talked with 49ers fullback Kyle Juszczyk, and it was in the middle of the 49ers slump, you know, kind of that, you know, right ahead of that, that 49ers game against the Rams. And I asked him, I was just like, okay, well, how do you get off the schneid? What's a way that you can get out of this, this, this skid you guys are going through? And he pointed out something that was very true, him mentioning that, look, Football is such a a week-to-week sport, and it really is a play-to-play sport, you know? And what I mean by that is that things can change so drastically from one play to the next, uh, and and let alone one week to the next. I mean, the, the, the momentum of a game can change just so much in the span of one or two plays. And that's how you really have to treat it. And so you think back to earlier in the season. Guess who were the two hottest teams in the league? It was the Arizona Cardinals. And the Tennessee Titans. I mean, you're literally like, well, I didn't see that coming. We were thinking it was going to be Chiefs, Bucks, you know, maybe the Packers mixed in there, heck, whatever. And here we are looking at the Titans and the Cardinals being the two hottest teams in football, you know, roughly halfway through the season. Well, guess what? The Cardinals, maybe they're going through their December falling apart. They've lost two in a row, including falling to the, the Detroit Lions. And you, who saw that coming? And then, of course, you have the Titans who have lost three out of their last four. Meanwhile, the 49ers, winners of five of six, you know? And it's just like, okay, here we are, and the 49ers are now just one game lower than Tennessee in the win-loss column. Titans nine and five, 49ers at eight and six. And both teams certainly looking at this particular game as extremely important for their playoff seeding. Now, of course, if you're interested in the AFC side things and uh, maybe you're a Titans fan tuning in on this, you probably know already, but Titans in that number three seed in the AFC playoff picture, the Patriots and Chiefs, of course, at numbers one and two. 
And then the Bengals, who've really been up and down, <laughs> 49ers certainly had something to do with that a couple of weeks ago, but the Bengals in that number four seed atop the AFC North. So anyway, again, things change a lot, right? We, we get that. You can understand that every NFL season kind of is its own different animal, that things you know change, people get hurt, players go out. Teams find some sort of momentum. There's some storybook team that comes out of nowhere and is just absolutely dominant. You didn't predict that happening. Uh, no exception on this one, right? No exception on this one whatsoever. So, you know, the Titans, one of the things that you can say has has certainly influenced, I won't say it's caused it, but it's certainly influenced this recent skid they've gone through. You know, losing to the Steelers last week and, and it really was just kind of an ugly game from all points. And you, if you were a fan of offense, offensive football, don't go back and watch Steelers and Titans. And I won't say that it was a defensive showdown either. It wasn't exactly like both teams' defenses were just outstanding. You know, 19-13 Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger is still you know, valiantly trying to noodle arm passes going forward and Najee Harris is... You know, trying to run, but only picks up an average of 1.5 yards a carry because, oh, yeah, that's right, the Steelers' offensive line is garbage, and gosh, Ryan Tannehill's just getting sacked left and right. Yeah, not a fun game, you know? I mean, if you're a fan of the Steelers, great. If you're a fan of the Titans, you're probably like, eh, but whatever. I know the Titans are banged up. You know, maybe not they're not as banged up as, let's say, the Baltimore Ravens this year. Certainly not as banged up as the 49ers of 2020, but yeah. They're banged up, and obviously, you know, with running back Derrick Henry going down earlier in the season, that completely thwarted Tennessee's identity as this run first, run heavy, just smash the ball down your face sort of thing, and and yeah, you know, wide receivers A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, you know, they're supposed to be just that complimentary option. Sure, you want to stack the box? We'll just throw to Julio. We'll just throw to A.J. Brown, and it'll be great. Well, guess what? Both Jones and, and Brown have been banged up. Most recently, Jones with a uh, hamstring injury and then Brown with a chest injury. Uh, Brown and Julio could come back, though. You know, that's kind of one of the things we don't quite know yet here on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, probably paying attention to that right up until Thursday. You know, Brown coming off injured reserve, a potentially be activated. His practice window has been opened. I know head coach Mike Vrabel is hoping that Julio Jones can come back in time for this game. We'll see. Again, it's probably one of those things that that, that the Titans are going to be very, very, you know, I won't say cautiously monitoring. Of course, they're going to be cautiously monitoring it, but they might not be overly ready to make a decision on such a short week. Why give that information away to the 49ers who'd have to prepare for, for two very prolific wide receivers? But nevertheless... Ever since Derrick Henry went down, the Titans have been forced to change their identity. And, you know, you look back at who the Titans have been the last couple of years, a run-first team. Quarterback Ryan Tannehill, you know, a guy who kind of reminds me of a Jimmy Garoppolo-like quarterback, right? Someone who, you know, if the run game's working, if the defense is playing well, you don't have to have him do too much, right? You don't have to have him do a lot. But... All of a sudden, when you lose that number one weapon in Derrick Henry, suddenly that pressure falls upon Ryan Tannehill that much more. And I don't know if I would classify him, just like I don't think I would classify Garoppolo, as someone who can go out and carry a team's offense on his shoulders. Now, Tannehill's a good quarterback. You know, I'll just say that. He's a a good quarterback. Definitely deserves to be starting in this league. Certainly has paid his dues. Has made the Titans a better team overall. But when you take away that running effort, things can go wrong. 
and there's a number of things that could go wrong for Tennessee in this particular contest, especially against a 49ers pass rush that is going to potentially do a lot of damage. So FYI, Ryan Tannehill on the season has a league tying, I guess tied for first in the league or most in the league. I won't say first. That's not a stat you want to be first in. But Ryan Tannehill's tossed 14 interceptions on the season. That's tied for league most. And two years ago, it would have been weird to throw Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback who you know traditionally protected the ball well. You wouldn't put him in that category. But this year has been totally different. 14 interceptions on the season. His interception percentage, 3.1. And as I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, typically when you're hovering close to and certainly above 3.0 interception percentage, you know, that's danger. You don't want to be around that. And Ryan Tannehill currently is above that, that 3.1 percentage currently ranking fifth uh, in the middle of week 15. Of course, week 15 not completely wrapped up yet. So maybe that changes. Who knows? But that was at least Ryan Tannehill's ranking in the middle of week 15. And what this has led to, of course, is is a problem that you'll hopefully see the 49ers take advantage of. So the thing that really stood out to me is, is, is a big indicator of the 49ers being able to turn their season around this year was just how much they've been able to protect the ball better as of late. Yes, I know Jamichael Hasty's fumble on the opening kickoff. That was ugly. Okay, you know, turnover is going to happen. You're going to turn the ball over. Hopefully you just cut down on them. But that's what the 49ers have been able to do. Now, let's rewind, go back to the point earlier in the season when the Niners were figuring out new ways to lose every week, but they all kind of had the same theme. They were turning over the ball a ton. And at one point, the Niners had a turnover differential of minus nine. That means they had nine more giveaways on offense than they did takeaways on defense. That was second worst in the league over just the lowly New York Jets. Hard to believe that, that the Niners were only better than the Jets in that particular turnover differential. That's terrible, right? But ever since the Niners have gotten on this hot streak, things have notably improved. The Niners have been taking the ball away a little bit more. Granted, not forcing a ton of turnovers, but they've been protecting the ball better. That's the big difference. And now, heading into Week 16, the 49ers have a turnover differential of minus two. You want to be in the positive, so it'd be good if it was a plus two or a plus four or whatever, but still a vast improvement over what San Francisco was going through earlier in the season. Meanwhile, the Titans are trending in the opposite direction. Tennessee now is at minus seven in the turnover differential department. So if you're looking for an X factor, maybe it's going to be turning the ball over again. We've talked about this a lot this season. 49ers are what? I think 6 and 0 now when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw an interception, but 1 and 5 when he does. So, yeah, it's it, 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 that, that's kind of or is it 7 and 0? Gosh, I can't remember. Anyway, 49ers are undefeated when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't toss an interception. They've only won one game when he does. So, maybe that's the trick. Now, of course, it, you know, there's there's no real good split for that as, as far as Ryan Tannehill's concerned, but I think there's something like three and four when he's thrown an interception or four and three, uh, Ryan Tannehill I'm speaking of. But regardless, when you have a quarterback who's been tossing a lot of picks this season, that's going to be the situation for the 49ers to take full advantage of. And one way they can do that is going to be through the pass rush. Now, I talked a little bit earlier about Nick Bosa and the type of impact he's had for San Francisco's defense really all year long, but especially as of late. Of course, Bosa notched his 15th sack uh, against Atlanta. And if I had to guess, I would almost guarantee 
that he would tack on two more against Tennessee. And the reason why is because he's got arguably the most favorable matchup that he's had all year. And that's going to be going up against uh, Titans right tackle David Quisenberry. Now, the Titans have a pretty good left tackle, Taylor Lewan. You know, pretty good, right? And so, you know, Bosa, who's been moving back and forth between the strong and weak sides of the formation, you know, yeah, you, you could see a little bit of that. But Quisenberry is going to be the guy the 49ers want to target. Uh, these stats, according to Pro Football Focus, David Quisenberry has allowed a whopping 11 sacks on the year and 41 quarterback hurries. So if you're looking for a matchup that completely, wholly, entirely favors San Francisco, that's the one to exploit. And so if you're going to be wanting to see Nick Bosa get home and, and not just sack Ryan Tannehill, but put pressure on him, force him into those quick decisions where all of a sudden... You know, you've got an edge rusher that's bearing down on you, and it's not, oh, hey, I can wait for that receiver to, to get open against uh, one of these 49ers defensive backs. No, you don't have that chance anymore. You need to get the ball out now. That's the matchup to watch. And I think that's one of the ways the 49ers can, can really effectively negate um, the short week, the East Coast travel, being sore, not being fully rested, not being fully refreshed. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Ryan Tannehill was sacked four times in each of the last two games. Over the last four weeks, he's been sacked 12 times. So certainly a quarterback the Niners have a chance at getting after this Thursday. So, of course, one of the things you might be wondering about is if A.J. Brown, Julio Jones come back. Obviously, there are going to be two people who could potentially help out Ryan Tannehill, uh, especially having to deal with the weakness along the right side of the Titans' offensive line, having to go up against Nick Bosa, a surging Arden Key. We really shouldn't have gotten called for that roughing the passer penalty, but hey, I, I digress. I'm not an official. I'm glad I'm not an official. I'm glad I don't work for NFL officiating. I can complain about it, and no one's going to do anything to me. Whatever. So the one liability that I think all of us could agree upon that the Falcons exposed, the Bengals exposed, you know, two weeks ago or whatever— was Ambry Thomas. And I mentioned I wanted to come back to him really quick here. And and, and, and look, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I'm not going to say he's the worst player in the history of, of the 49ers secondary or anything like that. And in fact, I actually thought that Ambry Thomas showed some modest improvement between the two weeks. You know, you looked at what Jamar Chase was able to do to Ambry Thomas you know, at, at Cincinnati, you know, slowing up and then boom, zipping right by Thomas and, and, and leaving, you know, three or four or five yards space in between him and, and the defender. Well, you didn't see that against Atlanta. And, and, and granted, Russell Gage isn't quite on the same level Jamar Chase is, but maybe I'd put Kyle Pitts into that category. And for the most part, and yeah, I, I, I do know that one touchdown to, uh, to Gage involved Thomas getting a little grabby and getting flagged for defensive pass interference, which was declined. But um, nevertheless, one of the things that I actually did like that, that I said, okay, you know, Thomas, you showed some improvement there, is that for the most part, he was stride for stride with his receiver. It wasn't like he was getting burned and, and having to make up you know, five or six yards of, of distance, which was kind of a, a problem for him in his first start against Cincinnati. Now, of course, you can take a look and say, well, yeah, he still gave up those catches. And if you were looking to have him challenge the catch point, go up there and try to, to record a, a defensive, you know, a, a pass defended or whatever, or break up a pass, or maybe even pick it off. Hey, he kind of almost picked one off only to have Kyle Pitts wrestle it away. Um, 
maybe those are his improving points. But I do think, you know, you really, really, really actually think pretty well on this, that Thomas did show some modest improvement in that game. And, and this is something that, uh, that former 49ers safety Dante Whitner, of course, working with NBC Sports Bay Area, he actually echoed this on KNBR 680, the Niners flagship station, just a little bit ago. Uh, to quote Whitner, he, uh, he said, quote, I think he'll get better over time. But there's glaring holes there, and they're going to have to deal with it with width and depth perception when they want to sneak one in, but they're going to have to play a lot of cover two and rely heavily on the front seven to stop the run with a light box until Emmanuel Mosley returns. So that's end quote. And so you're hearing what, what Dante Whitner said about what the 49ers are going to have to do to protect uh, Ambry Thomas going forward. The latest reports say that Mosley isn't going to be expected back anytime soon with that ankle injury. So, yeah, you're probably going to see more of, of Thomas going forward. But, hey, you know what? These are games the 49ers, I won't say can afford to lose, but, you know, you can you can ride this a little bit. You can make up for it. You can play those cover two schemes a little bit more. The Niners have been doing that. They've been trying to shade help, cover two, cover four. Um, not necessarily the single high safety sort of stuff, as much as they used to, because you can't leave um, you can't leave Thomas on an island over there, and certainly not in man coverage. So, you know, again, it, it, it's probably good that that Thomas is kind of taking his licks, taking some lumps, going through some growing pains here early. Uh, you hope he turns this th- those those experiences around into something positive. And if you just kind of look at that little two week window, you know, first against the Bengals where he was getting beat, and then you know getting beat in space, and then against the Falcons getting beat but still kind of staying in the back pocket of his receiver for the most part, you know, I'll take that improvement, right? I'll, I'll, I'll be happy about that. Important to remember too, for those of you who don't know that Ambry Thomas, he opted out of his uh, senior campaign at Michigan in 2020. So uh, really this is kind of the first meaningful football season he's played since 2019. Probably going to be some rust to shake off there. So Anyway, as we're going to be wrapping things up here with what to look forward to in week 16, um, currently our partners over at WinBet, they list the Niners as 3.5 point favorites. So three and a half point favorites on the betting line, uh, Niners the road favorites here. That line initially opened up as three points, so the Niners getting an extra half a point there. So probably guessing that the odds makers took a look at Tennessee's injury situation, maybe thought, okay, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, maybe they're coming back, but it doesn't look promising. And meanwhile, the 49ers have just been able to have their way with opponents in, in multiple facets. And, you know, the defense, despite the liabilities in the secondary, has still been very, very good. And and, uh, and San Francisco has been able to clamp down on opposing teams' run games. I think I mentioned this over at Niner Noise, too, but another little nugget to throw out there. Uh, 49ers, as far as their run defense is concerned, and we all know that Tennessee, despite Derrick Henry being out, still going to want to run the ball. Uh, in five of their last six games, the Niners have yet to surrender 90 team rushing yards, not to a player, team rushing yards. So yeah, five of the uh, the last six games the 49ers played, uh, they've prevented the opposing team from getting up to 90 rush yards. So kind of a nice little nugget there, and and, and maybe that's what influenced the odds makers. So anyway, prediction time. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. Initially, when I was first looking at this game way back after the Falcons game, which actually, you know, to, to be honest with you, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just kind of changed a little bit as I've watched that line go. Early on, even right after the Falcons game, I still thought the 49ers would lose week 16. Close score, but I still thought the 49ers would lose by a score of 24 to 20. 
Uh, since I've watched the line change a little bit, granted it's only half a point, I know, but that's kind of piqued my interest a little bit. I'm gonna go ahead and flip the script and say that San Francisco pulls off a 21 to 17 win over the Titans. And the reason why, really just looking at that Tennessee offense over the past four weeks, it's been atrocious. It has been atrocious. <laughs> Aside from uh, shutting out the Jacksonville Jaguars and ending Urban Meyer's NFL coaching career, <laughs> 20 to nothing, uh, the Jaguars have scored 13 points in those other three games, all losses, the Patriots, um, the Steelers, and oh, the Houston Texans too, by the way, who saw that coming? But yeah, Tennessee's offense has been abysmal as of late. So call it what it is, that's gonna be influencing my new prediction right now. And, and unless, you know, AJ Brown, Julio Jones come back or fill in running back Deontay Foreman, who's averaging 4.5 yards a carry, uh, unless he goes off against the 49ers, and I just mentioned the 49ers run defense is on a hot streak as of late. I don't predict that predict that being the case, that he'll play well or, or go off. Uh, maybe the Niners win this one, you know, and, and, and great. Throw those early predictions that we had, you know, when the schedule came out. We saw this game as an East Coast or a, a Far East, not Far East, but way further East uh, road matchup on a short week. And we all said, ah, oh, that's going to be a loss, you know, whatever. Throw that out the window. Let's predict it. 49ers win 21-17. So that's gonna be the prediction. All right, so before we close this thing out, and I know we've uh, you know taken up too much of your time and I probably could chat all kinds of football with you for the next few hours and you probably all get sick of me. Uh, Want to have a little bit of fun, because of course here, the 49ers, they're gonna be off for Christmas. Good for them, Christmas falling this Saturday. And uh, if you celebrate, great. Hope you get to enjoy it with your friends, with your family, loved ones, do something wonderful and outstanding. And even if you don't celebrate, Maybe enjoy a little bit of a break from work, the daily grind, whatever it is you do. But I like to think to myself, okay, if I could pick, oh gosh, two 49ers who have been naughty and two 49ers have been nice, uh, who would I pick? So maybe that's the question that I'll have for all of you. Which two 49ers have been naughty and which two ones have been nice? So I don't know if I want to get too involved in describing naughty, so I'd probably just say bad. Maybe I should change that up a little bit here. Um, I guess if I'm going to say bad, I'll probably go ahead and throw out Tom Compton. Sorry, Tom. You're still a, a, a pass blocking liability. You've been okay in the run, run support business. Although I'll, I'll say that, but you've been naughty. You might get some coal in your stocking from 49ers fans. Uh, probably the other 49er has been naughty, you know, um, recency bias here. Jamichael Hasty, I'm sorry. You fumbled that kickoff, <laughs> the opening return. Other than that, you know, you've been a nice, you know, complimentary role player who's, who's done some things here and there, but man, that's, that's not a good way to get onto Santa's nice list there by fumbling that opening kickoff. And, and then of course on the following kickoff, letting that ball bounce up and hit you in the helmet. Yeah. That's a little bit of the naughty list. Um, nice. I don't, what do you want to call nice? I don't know if I would call George Kittle and Debo Samuel nice. They're mean. But they're it sure is nice to watch them play. I guess that would be it. So yeah, 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 yeah. George Kittle's been he's been on, on, on Santa's good list, right? Right? I think that's what we're gonna look at. So George Kittle, he's on he's on the good list. Uh no matter what he's doing, if he's run blocking, you know, pancaking defensive ends, uh it, you know, going out there and 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 drawing 
what was that, like eight Falcons defenders and, and still trying to run forward? I mean, I'm sure you all saw that play. That's George Kittle. Yeah, yeah, he, he's on the good list, right? And then, of course, Debo Samuel. How could you leave him off there? Um, of course, I'm doing this, you know, picking those two nice players to watch, fully admitting that I did not include Trent Williams or Nick Bosa into the equation. And I know someone's probably going to be like, dude, you're missing the two best players the Niners have had as of late. I get it. Hey, you know what? This is a fun exercise. We'll probably throw up something like this over up at Niner Noise over uh, over the Christmas break and just kind of have some fun. Who's naughty? Who's nice? Which 49ers player do you want to see with Cole in the stocking? Which 49ers player do you want to see with uh, with sugar plums filled up in their stockings instead? So anyway, be sure to look that up. And of course, as always, we hope that all of you who enjoy the the, the holiday festivities. Have a wonderful Christmas on behalf of everybody here at, at Niner Noise. Spend some time with friends, family, and loved ones. Eat some great food. Enjoy the company. Enjoy the football, whatever it might be. So it'll be nice to actually have 49ers football done for the week. We can get that over with on Thursday and then go into the weekend and just watch everybody else compete and, and not have to worry about anything. Of course, it'd be a lot better if uh, Santa gifted all of us with the 49ers win. So, all right, well, before we head out, just one again, quick reminder, if you enjoy what you hear, hopefully you love the Niner Noise podcast, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, leave us that five-star review, and as always, be sure to check out NinerNoise.com for your latest 49ers news, updates, analysis, and insight. Head over to NinerNoise.com. You can also check out our Twitter handle, at SF Niner Noise, and then you can make sure that you can follow me on Twitter too, at Peter Panacey. It's exactly how it sounds, and uh, we sure do appreciate it. So once again, on behalf of Robert Morrison and everybody over at the Niner Noise team, part of the Fansided Network, this is Peter Panacey signing off, wishing you all a wonderful Christmas, a happy holiday season, and let's go ahead and sound the horn. <laughs>
who get it done.